Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America located in Washington, D.C. provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. Hey gang, from Axios over the weekend, there was this. The American mood's been pretty low lately, but you know what might make people happier? Money. In a recent survey, when asked if money can buy happiness, 59% of respondents, 59% said yes. For millennials, the share was highest at 72%. Respondents were asked what salary they would need to feel happy and less stressed. It's a relative assessment. Kind of interesting. I'm looking at a graph. It seems that everybody thinks they'd be happier if they made just a little bit more money, in some cases a lot more money. Those earning more than $200,000 a year, say a salary of $350,000, would make them happier. Folks at the bottom of the income scale say 33250 a year would do the trick. Millennials, they want half a million dollars annually to be happy, but that's a lot higher than both what older and younger generations want per a recent survey. So can money buy happiness? That's the poll question today at Smirconish.com. I want to make sure that we do a comparison of our data, thoroughly unscientific, to some of the science that I've just referenced. Professor Barbara Mellers is the George I. Hyman University professor at the University of Pennsylvania. She has cross appointments in the School of Arts and Sciences and the Wharton School. Prior to that, she was a professor at the University of California at Berkeley. She studied this issue and joins me now. Dr. Mellers, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So what does the data say? Can money buy happiness? Oh, there's so many studies on this, Michael, and, um, you know, the answer, I'm sorry to say, the answer is sometimes. It depends. Um, uh, There's work on whether money will make you happier when you spend it on yourself, on things, or on experiences. Um, Money, or studies on whether... You're happier when you when you give to say charitable organizations or friends or or whatever. Um, th- there's just a lot of data on when and how money uh, increases happiness and when it doesn't. I know that there was a study uh, that you're familiar with, and I I think have played a role in analyzing from Princeton in 2010 that gets a lot of attention. In fact, whenever this issue comes up, and it comes up on a a fairly routine basis, I always say, well, there was that Princeton study that said you got to have $75,000. And once 
a household's income has more than $75,000, then money becomes less important. First of all, I hope I'm framing that properly and that that is the outcome of, of what they came up with. Deaton, I think, and, and Kahneman. Uh, first of all, did I, did I sum, uh, summarize that correctly, and do you buy into that? Well, you summarized it correctly. Um, and, you know, it's a little, a quick, short little gist to, uh, to uh, tell people in, in classes, especially in business classes, you know, you, you, you need money for certain things, essential things and so forth, but after a certain point, it has no real effect on your momentary happiness. What uh, Danny and Agnes did in their study was to um, measure people's momentary happiness. How do you feel? And they did this by uh, having them write down how they felt at the end of the day. Did you feel a lot of pleasure during the day, enjoyment during the day? Did you smile a lot during the day? And um, they used those measures, averaged them, and then uh, created an index of how you feel in the moment, which is different from your life satisfaction. How do you evaluate your life when it comes to what you've achieved and so forth? The, um, that was the result, that uh, um, happiness increased at the lower range of incomes, and then after about 75000 it flattened. Um, now, another person by the name of Matt Killingsworth came along and published a study in 20. 21 that challenged the result of Kahneman and Deaton. He used momentary happiness as well. And what he did was to take a group of 30,000 people or so in the Silicon Valley area. They were adults who were employed. And he asked them to um, respond on their smartphones about three times a day, roughly, randomly, um, uh, for two weeks, how they felt at that particular moment when they were buzzed. So their response was on a rating scale. They could slide it up from extremely good to extremely bad. And what happened is that Matt found a linear relationship between um, momentary happiness and log of income so that... Um, what that means is that you can keep earning money and it will keep giving you pleasure. And there doesn't seem to be a stopping point in that. Um, this is really interesting from, from welfare, uh, from policies, point, uh, from a point of view of welfare policy and such. The, you know, the one result, happiness doesn't increase as much after 75000 suggest, well, maybe you could redistribute income then, and you wouldn't be taking away anybody's happiness, really. But the linear relationship says, well, no, maybe you are. You know, maybe if you uh, redistributed, you would cut the enjoyment of, of some of these people. So that's where the uh, situation stood for quite some time. And then uh, Danny Kahneman and Matt uh, Killingsworth and I decided to do what Danny had called an adversarial collaboration, meaning two people with opposing views come together to resolve the debate and try to figure out ways to 
um, distinguish between the two different points of view. So what happened was that we um, reanalyzed Matt's data, the 30,000 people in the Silicon Valley who were um, uh, employed and such. And the results were really surprising from a variety of different angles. But let me just give you the gist of it, and then we can talk about the details if you you want. Um, Question, do larger incomes make people happier? Well, what we found was individual differences, which means that the effect of increasing income differed for different types of people. And I'm going to talk about different types of people in terms of the least happy people in the distribution, that say the 20% of those who were least happy, then there's 60% of those in the middle, and 20% of those who were most happy. Now, what happens with these three groups is fascinating. When in the, in the lower range of income, the people who were least happy show the greatest increase in happiness at the beginning. And then they, the happiness for them levels off um, around 75, 100,000. For the people in the middle, you see this linear relationship. In other words, happiness just keeps on going up linearly with income. And for those people at the very top, the 20% of the happiest people, you see something quite different that neither Matt nor Danny and Agnes found. It's that these people, they don't change much at the beginning with lower incomes. Their happiness stays relatively constant. But after about 100000 it accelerates. You know, they know how to spend their money. They're doing something that um, makes them even happier than what you'd expect based on a linear relationship. So it's it's a complicated story that, you know, as you'd expect if you if you, you know, thought hard about it. Barbara Mellers is the George I. Hyman University professor at the University of Pennsylvania, cross appointments in the School of Arts and Sciences and Wharton. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts 
to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Barbara Mellers is the George I. Hyman University Professor at the University of Pennsylvania, cross appointments in the School of Arts and Sciences, and Wharton. And, you know, we're always, those of us who talk about these things for a living, always looking for the soundbite. Like, how do I sum this up and, and have a... Uh, provocative headline that I can then turn into a, a, a good conversation. But now I understand why at the very outset you said to me, it's complicated. <laughs> That's right. And um, yeah, I mean, as a professor, I'm always looking for sound bites too. But Dr. you just can't do it in this case. Dr. Mellers, um, this, this new data from uh, Empower Financial Group there was something that I thought interesting. I'm looking at it on a on a, a line graph where it, it says the people who earn less than twenty five thousand, what they think that they need to do is is get closer to fifty. They want a hundred and thirty three percent increase. And those who earn twenty five thousand, they'd like to earn thirty four thousand and so on and so forth. The largest percentage uh gain are by those, pardon me, the, the people who earn $200,000 or more, they want a 40% gain. I'm explaining this poorly, but what I'm taking away from the data is, like, nobody's entirely happy. Everybody thinks, oh, if only I could get to that next level, whatever that level might be, then I would find more happiness. Well, you know, yes and no. It. It's surprising how happy people seem to be as measured from Gallup poll indices and such. Um, you know, you say, well, how happy are you on a scale from one to five? And people say, on average, about four. And um, so why do they do that? That's, uh, they also say they, they want about 10 or 20 percent or, as you said, sometimes 40 percent more to make them even happier. Um, I, I think we have trouble imagining how we're going to be in new, st- new states of the world. We'll, we'll get there, we'll make 10% more, and then we'll have more interests and more wants and more desires, and we'll, we'll, we'll hope we get 15 20% more income to make us even happier. It's, it's kind of a treadmill, right? And um, uh, I think it begs the question of what really makes us happy. That's that's pretty difficult to 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 answer. The the Deaton and Kahneman data always made sense to me because I thought you, you need to have your basics covered. You need to have the necessities of life taken care of. Otherwise, that's going to be the dominant aspect of your existence. When you get beyond that, then there's going to be a difference as to how much money will really change your world. That's right. And um, there, 
There are different kinds of unhappiness. You're right. And some of them can be solved by with financial means, you know, buying a house, buying food, buying education. But then there are other types of unhappiness like bereavement and grief and sure. depression sure. that that can't be solved with with more money. So um, it could be that when people get to that $100,000 point, that's what they're facing. The, these deeper uh, kinds of problems that um, can't be solved easily uh, with, with money. Makes total sense. Okay, wipe the slate clean and, and leave us with something. I heard her today on radio and she left me with this. What is this? Money increases happiness, and there there is a positive association, but it's very, very small. The correlations are, you know, in the range of 0.1, and that's not very much. It, I think it, people think it makes much more of a difference um, than, you, than uh, perhaps it does. It's also an avenue for decreasing pain, Rather, rather than increasing pleasure. Well, that was well said. You're, you're a no vote on my poll question today, and I get it. Dr. Mellers, <laughs> okay. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for all of that. Okay, thank you. That's Barbara Bye-bye. Mellers, ladies and gentlemen. All right, well, there, there you go. The vote is cast by the expert. No. No is her answer. Thoughts? I'm going to agree with her. I, I mean, it's sort of like yes to a point. And you sort of are you clothed and fed, and then beyond that, if you're not, yeah, then, then money's then, a problem. Correct, big and, problem, I mean, right? And so beyond that, though, it's just sort of gradations of that. And yes, it can buy phenomenal experiences and wonderful uh, objects and a beautiful home and all of those things. But I am telling you, there is no way that it makes it truly makes someone happy. She was that has to come from inside. She was the architect of an adversarial collaboration. Yeah, TC, she okay? was. Some of that data wasn't syncing up. We I know. Adversarial collaboration. Which kind of makes me believe and it get even to, more. Get to the bottom of yeah. it. I love it. It's complicated. I understand. It's complicated. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. 
It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Hey, gang, I want a mulligan on my attempt to explain how much people currently make and what they think they need to make. I just didn't do it well. So this will be brief. Those who are making roughly $25,000 think that the number is 34 a 72% increase. If only I could get there, uh, you know, then I'd be happy. $35,000 a year, think 49 is the number. 50,000, think 74,000 is the number. 75,000, think 99,000 is the number. Those who make $100,000 think happiness comes at 149,000. Those who make 150,000 think it is 199 and those who are making 200,000 or more think 350 is the number. The, the group that has the um uh the highest number by uh what do I want to say generation are millennials. Millennials want a half a million dollars annually to be happy. That's a lot higher than what both older and younger generations want. Per this recent survey, again, it's it's from the financial services company called Empower, based on a poll conducted by the Harris Poll. The executive summary that they then published, some of these need explanation, but I'll just give it to you. Financial happiness key findings by the people who commissioned the poll. That's the way I think I ought to explain it. Most Americans believe that money can buy happiness, but it amounts to more than net worth. Separate finding. The price tag for financial happiness, $1.2 million. And millennials estimate needing more wealth than other generations to be comfortable. Retirement sparks joy, but people's timing may be reset. The happiness Quotient. Americans are optimistic, though economic factors are dampening feelings of prosperity. It's a work-life transaction for many, though workers trust employers for important money matters. Advice is a top factor in determining financial happiness. Independence and a cup of coffee are strongly linked to feelings of financial happiness. Wait, I got to What's that all about the coffee? A majority say contentment is not having to rely on anyone else financially, but being able to withstand unexpected financial needs and the ability to financially take care of loved ones. For many, happiness is also defined by everyday spending flexibility. 62% of millennials say they're willing to pay $7 for a daily coffee because of the joy that it brings. That's interesting. $7. They're happy to do it because it brings them joy. 73% of people say they give, I always think to myself, like the idea for coffee becoming so ubiquitous, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a franchise and we're going to sell coffee and we shall call it Starbucks. How could that have ever made it past the elevator pitch? 
Uh, okay, your telephone call is beginning with RJ in San Diego. Hi, RJ. Does money buy happiness? Uh, not necessarily, but it boils down to perception. You had a show on Friday. I'm, I'm a uh, graduate of, of uh, organizational psychology courses, and I did a lot of studies. And one of them was the perception of differences in income between you and someone else. And if you perceived that you were paid unfairly compared to someone else, even if you made a 200 grand, you would lower your output. And then the same thing with students I hire now, they come out saying, well, I hear you're supposed to make 150 grand if you graduate from, from a business school. Well, a lot of, not very many places have starting salaries for college grads at 150 grand. So they're disappointed. And so the perception causes the unhappiness. What does one do with an organizational psychology degree? Because I have to say, I never knew, I never used to know what that even meant. And then I've had so many organizational psychologists who've been great guests on this program. Um, I, I could see, you know, back in the day going in that direction myself. It just seems so intriguing. Uh, the way I put it is it's sort of if a uh, business management consultant and HR person had a baby. <laughs> hmm. Okay. I mean, it's a very Seinfeldian understanding people in human dynamics, isn't it? Correct. Teams, leadership, uh, productivity, um, motivation. There's there's all of that that goes with yeah. it. But yeah. it ends up being the key to making your business better than other businesses that do the same thing, who your people are and how they work. Okay, RJ. Good, good luck to you in San Diego. The organizational psychology degree, the Larry David degree of, of education. Christy, and I mean that in a good way, you're in Akron, Ohio, thinking what today? Well, you, um, Michael, asked for a sound bite, but I, I also want to comment. I heard a study in the 70s. I can't tell you anything about who did it. They said uh, that they did a survey and, and asked people how much money would make them happier, and everybody basically answered 10% more. And it made me realize that I should be happy with what I make because if I'm not, I'm never going to be happy because you always want 10% more. But when I was in medical school, I had a psychologist who gave a lecture and did it in a soundbite, and that soundbite was uh, breathing and money are a little alike. If you don't have enough to live on, it's life-threatening. Once you have enough to live on, having more does not make you happier. I like that. I think if you live your life that way, uh, it really helps. Yeah, I would like to remember that. I'm not good at remembering jokes. I'm not good at remembering slogans. I, I, I would like to remember that. I like it. Money and breathing. Ho- hopefully it'll it'll stick with me. Uh, to your point, I find interesting that none of these groups broken down by salary are just fine with where they are. Actually, let's see who has the, the lowest percentile desire. So if they're at 200,000, they want to make 350. That's a 40% gain. That's not the largest. If they're less than 25,000, understandably, they, they wish for 133% gain. Those are the two, uh, are those the outliers? No, I guess there are others. But what's the smallest percentage increase? Those at 100,000. Those at 100,000. Eh, that's interesting. I don't know what quite to make of it. Uh, Tom, you are in St. Louis, Missouri. Greetings. What are you thinking? Uh, well, I'm thinking I voted no. And I think my thoughts have changed over the years. Now that I'm a, a grandfather, uh, I heard, I read a quote somewhere, look at life like an eight-year-old or an 80-year-old. 
And I, to me, that that is that they value their happiness over money. Ask an 80-year-old if they want more time or more money, and I think we all know the answer to that. I'm just making notes here. I'm trying to remember these things. Associate uh, breathing with money. Then you've got the 80 or 8-year-old. Oh, I heard something this weekend. Let's see if I can remember it. Uh, (laughs) If you don't have a seat at the table, you'll be on the menu. How do you like that? It's a little harsh. Jeez. Wow. Okay. All right. Oh, boy. I'll give you context for that next hour. Oh, great. Yeah, I think I – now that I remembered. Well, yeah, you do. We all will. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Thank you for voting. Oh, by the way, the vote is very close. Let me – I'll tell it to you in real time. Sometimes I don't like to tell you, but here it is. 14,712 have voted. Can money buy happiness? The yes, the yes votes are 46.98% and the no votes currently winning, but a pretty close margin of 53.02%. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.